shall say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Pathway say tonight. scripture, but I thought it was this way Chad right there. Verse 5 says, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Look down at verse 14. Scripture says, the Lord is my strength and he is my song. And he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does violently. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does violently. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Skip on down to verse 21. Scripture says, I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. He has given us life. Bind the sacrifice of cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, I will praise you. You are my God, I will extol you, exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Amen. His mercy endures forever. If my throat starts cracking up tonight, that's okay. Me and Mandy are back this church about preaching to death this afternoon. So y'all just listen real, real hard, okay? This uh, this is an interesting psalm. We'll go over we'll go over some other verses in it in just a second. But uh, this psalm here, uh, they have been a lot of courses written after this particular psalm in some of the verses. There's been numerous hymns, numerous uh, contemporaries of courses. Uh, one of the older courses that we've sang many times here just simply says, "This is the day that the Lord has made." Has been written based upon this psalm here. Many theologians believe that this psalm is one of the psalms of the ascent that the Jews would sing on their way up to Jerusalem to take part in the sacrifice and take part of those feast days that they would have. And there's some reason to believe that this was a psalm that Jesus and, and his disciples might have even sung after the last Passover meal, as we, we talked a little bit about a few services ago. This is a powerful psalm of praise. This is a psalm of a, 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 a great psalm of praise, if you will. And you can, when you look at this psalm and read it in context, you can almost, you can almost sense the Israelites dancing in joy as they begin to sing this song and talk about this psalm. But when you look at this psalm a little closer, lying behind that praise, there seems to be a great deal of pain also in this psalm. Matter of fact, in verse number five, David wrote, and he said this, In my anguish I cried unto the Lord, and he answered me, and he set me free. And then you go on down in verse number 10, and the Bible says, All the nations surrounded me, but the name of the Lord I cut them off. But in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as, as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord I cut them off. 
I was pushed back and almost about to fall, but the Lord helped me. And so you can look at that, those scriptures, Brother Eugene, and you can really put your name or your own name in those particular verses right there because probably every one of us is, has no doubt has moments in our life where we feel like the bees or the hounds of the enemy has surrounded us. They've come in and this took place and that took place and, and it didn't seem like you could catch a break, in other words, you know, but the scripture says, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. And then in verse number 18, the Bible says, The Lord has chastened me severely, David said, but he has not given me over to death. Now, I know this is not what the Scripture says, but I like to look at it this way. He's not given up on me yet. <laughs> Boy, that ought to excite us right there. Because, you know, every one of us probably has done things and thought things and said things that probably if I was God and you was God, we'd probably give up on one another. But thank God, David said, the Lord chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Now, this psalm doesn't go on to tell us what happened to David that caused him so much pain. But a couple possibilities come to mind. One of those possibilities looks at the time of David's life when he was, he was the servant of King Saul in King Saul's palace. And, and many of you remember that, that story. Because David, one of because of David's heroics uh, as a soldier for Israel, King Saul sensed that this guy was a threat to his throne, and and you know the whole story there. And he sought to kill David on several occasions, and and David, the Bible said, had to flee uh, to the wilderness for safety, and and ultimately he he fled to some of the cities of the Philistines, which was which was Israel's arch enemy. But he fled there to simply hide out. And in time, we know from Scripture that David drew to himself several, several hundred guys. He, he got guys to come and fight for him and, and come and fight with him and who was either in debt, who was, who was either distressed or discontented under King Saul's leadership. And so they went looking for another leader. And this small army eventually made, a, made an alliance, if you will, with the Philistine army to, uh, for protection from Saul. When Saul and the Israelites would come and, and, and start fighting the Philistines, David and his mighty guys would, would protect them. But this is what took place. David sort of fudged a little bit on that little agreement because when David and his guys, Brother Roger, would go out, they would find Philistine cities. Remember, Some of you remember that in Scripture. And they would fight the Philistine cities and, and then they would come back and they would let the, let the Philistine city know, yeah, this was the Israelite plunder that, we, that, we, that we've got in our hands. So he fudged on that a little bit. And we look down through the life of David and we can find that on several occasions that this life for David was a very difficult time in his life. We are told that this was a dark period in the life and, and probably he wrote fewer psalms in this period of time than he did his whole life. The reason I'm focusing on this, on this background of this psalm is because here's the thing. We've got believers who see others who suffer in this life, and we really do. We really want to help at times. And in our mind, we really want to help people. And we have well-meaning Christians telling those that are suffering heartache that they need to just do is just simply praise God. And, and all those are right statements, but when you're going through some stuff, there's some things you just don't want to hear. We hear things like, it's going to be okay. You just need to focus on what you got left. I mean, when you've just lost somebody and when, when you've got tragedy at your house, all you've got to do, all you just need to be all right, God in his due time, he'll, he'll take care of you. Just be thankful for what you got. How many ever been told those things before? They're true, but it doesn't help your feelings very much, does it? In that time of stress and all those kind of things. I mean, the Bible does say in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. 
But in those moments, it doesn't help you feel better. But even though those such statements are even biblical at times, but if a person's lost their job or, or they lost their home or they're going through a divorce and they lost a loved one, all of those things, it's just not a good time to remind somebody to be thankful for all things. Those are times that, that probably what we need to do better served, instead of just opening our mouth, we probably need to just go to that person and sit with them and cry with them and hold them if you really want to know the truth. And we have well-meaning Christians that want to do these things, but sometimes they, they overcompensate, if you will. I read a story about Charles Swindle, who told a story of a man who found out that his wife had an incurable disease. The man said, that afternoon I had gone to a friend's house, and, and he said, I'd taken a fifth of whiskey of theirs home with me, he said. He said, after I put the kids to bed, and, and, and he said, I prayed with the kids, and, and, uh, and, and he said, his little girl saw him cry for the first time. And she said, Dad, I've never seen you cry before. And I think that night she learned something about her dad, he, this guy said. He said, she learned that I was a man, that I was human, I was hurt, I was alone, and I was lonely. He said, I bathed, and I put on some pajamas, and I headed for the icebox to get that whiskey, and I was going to mix me a drink. And that very moment, I think I acknowledged I was through with God for good, he said. I was through with the Christian life. I'd known because I'd given everything to him, and now I've ended up with nothing but hurt. I've ended up with nothing but loneliness, confused, uh, you know, wife gone, all of these things, nest of problems. And I went to the refrigerator, and he said, when I went to the refrigerator to open it up, the doorbell rang, and an unbelievably wonderful man by the name of Jack Johnson was standing there in the doorway. This guy walked into the room. He didn't say anything. He just grabbed me and he hugged me as tight as he could hug me for 10 to 15 minutes. He said he hugged me so tight that with much sense of caring that my anger, that my bitterness, that my disappointment seemed simply nothing. I was fragile in his arms in other words. He never quoted verses. He never prayed. He never said anything. Was going to be all, everything was going to be alright. He just blessed me with a short prayer and he walked out to get I walked out the door and the man said when he walked out he carried all of my hostilities with him David had the same experience when David said you know I, I it's surrounding me at times you've been in those situations where life itself has surrounded you my point is simply this out of this chapter this chapter Psalms 118 was written after David encountered a difficult time in his life He'd already went through those difficult moments, not during. David's praise came after he went through a dark time in his life. As a matter of fact, Psalms 30 and 5 says this, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. And I don't mean to labor this point, but many of you, probably every one of you, at some point in time, you've lost loved ones. And when you went up to that coffin, and you no doubt you cried many tears over that loved one that, that you had lost. Not necessarily because you were sad to where they were going, because you knew where they were going if they were going to heaven anyway. But you were sad because you were no longer going to get to see them, get to talk with them, and get to, get to interact and connect with them like you've done before. And I can imagine even tonight with the church in Etowah, Etowah Pentecostal Church with Brother Mehurt that had been there for, how long did you say, 36 years? That he pastored that church a lifetime almost. That this wonderful man of God pastored and, and cared for that flock. Probably preached many a funeral in that, in that church himself. Probably preached many weddings in that service in that church himself. And now this church is having to go to the coffin in a few days and look at their pastor. No doubt they feel like anguish is all over them. And they feel like they've been, they've been overtaken with stress and all of these things. But David told us weeping may endure for the night. But hallelujah, joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. The Bible is very clear. 
on the fact that even in our lives of the finest of folk, the finest of Christians, there'll be times of sorrow. There'll be times of weeping. And in those times, psalms of praise and thanksgiving that you read about and we enjoy so much will not come easy. But in the midst of these difficulties, here's the point. There's danger in those midst of difficulty times. Because the danger is that we might turn away from God rather than turning toward God. And without an effort to seek God in our sorrow, weeping may endure for the night. But listen, you've got to remember the rest of the story. Joy comes in the morning. Amen. Joy will come in the morning. Sorrow and pain has, has many times driven people away from God. But joy comes in the morning. You've got to know where you put your trust. You've got to know where you put your hope. And that is in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You've got to put your faith. You've got to put your trust in Him. That's why David said in Psalms 23 and 4, He said, even though I walk through. Thank God for that word right there. I walk through the valley. Of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. One doctor who has dealt with people who've, who've had leprosy finds his patients have, have two ways of responding to this, this disease of leprosy. It's a terrible disease. But he said this is, what, this is the two ways that they respond. One type of, of, of patient bitterly turns away from God because of that where they were always filled with despair. But others look for God for help. And because they look to God, these people, he said, face life with hope and refuse to let their disease cause their, cause their life to be controlled by that disease, he said. And really, when you think about it, every one of us, when we go through something, that's the two ways that we can look at it. That's the two ways that we can look at it. E.V. Vine once wrote, he said, to reject God and turn away from the light naturally brings darkness. Why would you want to do that? Why would we want to turn away from God that can give us hope? Why do we want to turn away from God that can give us joy? Why do we want to turn away from God that can sustain us and keep us and move us forward? Amen. This is what I've noticed as a pastor and, and a, just a part of you. What I've noticed about so many people in this congregation is that many of you have come through difficult times in your life. And you've determined you're not going to reject God. I don't have to call names. You know who you are. You've went through some difficult times in your life, but you've determined, I'm not going to reject God. God is my source. Amen. God is my source. You may not like the darkness. You prefer the light of God's presence to cling to more so than the darkness, but you're not going to reject the life that God has wanted to give you. Amen. See, that's what it was with David in his life. He may not have written many psalms during this time, but he was always seeking God's leadership. He was always seeking God's wisdom. He refused the temptation of turning away from God. But instead, he, had, he, he, sought to, he sought God to guide him and to protect him in this time of wilderness experience that he had in his life. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you have ever had a wilderness experience? Oh, yeah. Every one of us, we've had that wilderness experience. When he was looking for a place to hide. Many of you remember the story. David followed the advice of one of the prophets by the name of Gad and found safety because he listened to this prophet. Another time he was about to go to battle and he asked a priest to inquire of God's will. He didn't want to go fight unless God approved of him to go. When he was hungry, he turned to the priest of the tabernacle for food. When he had the opportunity to take revenge on King Saul and against King Saul, saying, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing for my master, the Lord's anointed, and lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Even though Saul sought to kill this guy, I'm not going to take his life. Several occasions he could have done so, but David understood the anointing. 
I was talking to a guy this afternoon, matter of fact, at New Emmanuel Well Baptist Church. And he came up and he said, Pastor, you pastor Pathway, right? And I said, yes, sir. He said, do you know a guy by the name? And he gave me this name. I said, yeah, I know that guy. I said, matter of fact, he used to come to our church years and years ago. He said, yeah, I grew up with this guy. I know this guy, and he don't go to church anymore. Matter of fact, he got mad at me one time, but I, I, don't, I don't dislike him. I love him. I tell him all the time I love him. He's mad at me, but I tell him I love him all the time. See, this guy has chosen to forgive, in other words, and to show love where the other guy has not, is not choosing to do so. David refused to fling away his faith in God. He, want, he wanted God's guidance in his life. That's why the Bible says in verse 1 and 3, Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord, His love endures forever. It goes on as we already read these verses in 6 and 7. says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies, he said. I will look on triumph with my enemies. See, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. He has become my salvation. You know what I think we ought to do sometimes when we get, when we get in distress? We just need to get the Bible out and just start reading to ourselves. Yeah, we just start reading out loud to ourselves. I like it sometimes when we come in here and we come for prayer meeting and instead of praying, we just listen to the Word. We've done that before. I just like listening to the Word being read because the Scripture says the Lord is my strength. Yeah, Lord, you are. I may not, Brother Larry, feel like I can pray, but He is my strength. You give me that kind of word over and over and over and before long, I'm going to get strong enough to pray myself. He is my strength. He has become my song. I may not feel like singing, but after a while I'm going to sing because he is my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy, shouts of victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Bible says the Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand has lifted me up. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but I'm going to live, saith the Lord. And proclaim that the Lord is with me. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, that's just, that's just scripture. Well, it's a good scripture. And we need to apply that scripture in our heart. The Bible says in verse 19, Open for me the gates of righteousness, and I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me, and you have become my salvation. Hallelujah. And when, and when you read that, you can almost sense David's excitement as he sings this song. David was a skilled musician. He was a skilled songwriter. He understood music and all of those things. He understood those things. He's, he's not just singing. He's literally, it's almost like he's literally shouting this verse. He wants everybody to know that God, what God has done with his life. He has taken him many places. Why is David shouting? Why is he so excited? Because God brought him back through his night filled with weeping into a morning filled with joy. Amen. Filled with joy. See, it was David's time of darkness that gave birth to this psalm right here. It was, it was during that time of darkness that God showed David how much that he loved him. Have you ever just felt down and felt low and went to God in prayer? Before you get out of that prayer room or whatever, you just felt his arms wrap around you. You just felt the presence of God come and overshadow you. That's what David, that's what happened to David. Somebody wrote this little saying that says this, Only God could turn a trial into a triumph. That's the God that we serve. Uh, only God could turn a victim into a victory. Only God could turn a mess into a message. Amen. Only God could turn a test into a testimony. 
That's what you have today. You have a testimony in your life. If it wasn't for the trials, if it wasn't for the messes, if it wasn't for those tests in our life, we wouldn't have any message or we wouldn't have a testimony to give. Amen. But because of that, we have a message tonight. We have a message tonight. Amen. Psalms 118.22 says, The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone, in other words. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let me go back and read that one more time. We say it all the time. Matter of fact, I put it on Facebook this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. The Bible says, I will. There's a choice you've got to make. It's a choice you've got to make. I will rejoice and be glad no matter what else is going on. No matter the difficulty in my life, I will rejoice and be glad in this day. Amen. At the corner, and many of you know this already, but at the corner of any major building of that day, a builder would place a foundational stone, very large, a very carefully shaped rock. And the, and the builder was so careful about, about this stone because it was the stability of the rest of the building. It depended upon how that one stone was placed. We all know that foundations are very important. All the rest of the building was tied to that one particular stone. And in this psalm, God was declaring, hey, the Messiah, Jesus, He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is the one. Without Jesus, there is no Christianity. Without Jesus, there is no Christ-likeness. Without Jesus, there is no walk with Him. Amen. He is our cornerstone. Hallelujah. He is our cornerstone. A number of years ago, there's a group of scholars that got together in what they called the Jesus Seminar. Some of you may remember this. They didn't approve of what they read in the, in the Gospels, and they were determined to strip those books of anything they felt that, that, that had been done or had been said about Jesus. They had a very elaborate method they come up with of voting on each incident or each statement in these stories about Jesus. But ultimately, they stripped the Gospels of many of the teachings and many of the miracles of Jesus. And someone say, well, why did they do that? Because so much of Jesus' teaching was focused on the fact that he was the Son of God, and the only way to come to God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can't get to Him no other way. No man cometh to the Father except through Jesus Christ. We have to go by the way of the cross. Amen. Jesus is the cornerstone that those builders rejected. They didn't like the idea that He was the cornerstone. They wanted teachings that would please them. They wanted teachings that they would listen to that had itching ears. Not a Savior would change them. No, no Savior. No, no person that died on the cross would save them. They wanted all that change. But I want to tell you something, church. You cannot take Christ out of Christianity and still have Christianity. You can't, you can't have, have, have Buddhism without, or you can still have Buddhism without Buddha. And you can have Islam without Muhammad. You can have Hinduism without the gods of the Hindus. But if you take Christ out of Christianity, there is no Christianity. You may do all these other things, but you can't take Christ out of Christianity. That's exactly what they're doing in our, in our culture today. In the world that we live in, they're trying to strip all of that down. They don't mind you being religious. They don't even mind you going to church. Matter of fact, they don't even mind you lifting your hands and praising a deity or a God. As long as it's not the God of the Bible. Jesus of the Bible, the Savior of the world that died on the cross for our sins. Amen. They don't, they don't like that. But you and I both know that Jesus is the foundation of our faith. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And the Bible says no man comes to the Father except through Him. And this is the cool thing. What's really cool about Psalms 118 
is that God allowed David to make this declaration about Christ. He allowed him to make that declaration. And the reason David got to share this truth with us, it was because David stayed faithful. Everybody say faithful. He stayed faithful. He stayed faithful to God through the dark times of his life. And once his night of weeping was done, David shouted with joy of how faithful God had been. How faithful God had been. David's time of testing gave him a testimony. David's time as a mess in his life gave birth to a message in his life. Yeah, he ran from God. He'd done all kinds of things. He got into trouble. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. But God still called him a man after God's own heart. He had some things to change in his life. So my question to you tonight, church, real quickly is, is, is that true in our life tonight? Can we take this same psalm of Psalm 118 and understand what God has actually done for us and praise Him and magnify Him because of what He'd done for us? If so, have, have you been able to lean on God in the midst of the trials? Have you been able to lean upon God in the midst of the hardships? Have you been able to go to God in the midst of all these things? Say, Pastor, it seems like we hear message after message about people leaving the church and leaving God because of a, a situation. Well, it's true. It happens all the time. Minister after minister has fallen because they got too close to the enemy. Layman and layperson after, has left God because they, they, they played too much with, with the enemy. And they left thinking it's going to be better out there somewhere. But I'll tell you something, church. You better understand, you better lean upon God in those times of toughness. You better lean upon God in those times of trials. If you've learned to do that and you've realized that your faithfulness in that dark moment of your life, it gives you the power to have a testimony. Hallelujah. It gives you the power to have a message in your life, a message that can change the lives of others forever. That can change the lives of others forever. Let me close with this little story. Some of you, how many of you knows a, a lady by the name of Charlotte Elliott? Anybody know this lady by the name of Charlotte Elliott? We've got one hand up. Charlotte Elliott. This lady, she had been, she, she'd been what she thought was, was invalid, I guess, from her youth. That she thought. Her handicap filled her with resentment. Filled her with anger. It hadn't always been this way for this lady. Early in her life, she was okay and enjoyed living. But, but, but uh, her health went, went south, in other words. And she, was, she hurt all the time. And, and her handicap, she, she, she let loose about, about God. One day a preacher come to the house, and, and they were just talking. They were visiting in her home. And, and she had all she could stand. But this preacher, she let loose on him about her bitterness and what she had to live with. The preacher listened to this lady. But instead of comforting her, he challenged her, the story goes. He told her that what she needed to do was give her life totally to God, to come to him just as she was, and with all of her bitterness, with all of her anger come just like you are and as you can imagine she didn't like that at all she got mad at it even worse she resented what seemed to be almost a, a callousness uh, went on her uh, of her heart and all of these things our attitude all of that and the pre and the and the minister left but God spoke to her through that minister and later on she committed her life to the Lord every year the story goes on the anniversary of her decision that preacher wrote Charlotte a letter of encouragement about her strong faith in God. But even as a Christian, she had doubts even then. Understand that when she gave her heart to the Lord, all of her, all of her anguish didn't leave, Sister Ruth. All of her hurts, all of her handicap, that didn't leave. It stayed with her. 
She had doubts. She had struggles. What bothered her most was her, was her inability to effectively get out and serve the Lord because she was confined to her room in a bed. Her brother, on the other hand, had become a successful preacher, had become a successful evangelist. But Charlotte felt that her health, her physical condition, prevented her from helping him. And then in 19, or 1836, on the 14th anniversary of her conversion, she decided to write a song about her faith. And the song goes like this. Just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict and many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. That's where you get the song, Just As I Am, that we hear even still today. Matter of fact, when Billy Graham has his, does his, his crusades, you'll hear that song every, every altar call. He would say, just as I am, just as I am. And no doubt there have been countless thousands of people changed by just the lyrics of that song, just as I am. We all could sing it ourselves. Lord, you took me just as I am. That hymn of faith has become one of the most powerful invitations throughout all of history. And years later, this is what her brother said. Her brother said, as musicians come, in the course of a long ministry, he said, I hope I have been permitted to see some fruit of my labors. But I feel far more has been done by a single hymn of my sisters just as I am. He said, I've preached to countless hundreds and thousands. And I said, I hope that I've been some good and I hope I've led some. But he said, I, I probably think that my sister's one hymn just as I am has done more for the cause of Christ than any other hymn. Charlotte's time of testing gave her a testimony. The mess in her life gave birth to a message. Amen. I want you to bow your heads tonight. I just want you to remain seated just for a second. But I want you to bow your heads as they just begin to play something softly right now, if they don't mind. And I want to ask you something tonight, church. This message that I've preached to you tonight is fairly a simple message out of Psalms 118. But really, it has a huge impact upon our life if we will adhere to it, if we will listen to it. David understood there were times in his life that uh, they're tough. There were moments in David's life that probably no doubt he felt like turning away from God. But David got something early in his life. I tend to think, and I may be wrong, but I tend to think that years earlier... When he was out in the field tending sheep, nobody else was around. He had his harp with him, and he began to sing, and he began to play that God at that moment, in those moments of his life, began to do some extraordinary things in David's life when nobody else was around. This is what I found out. And I don't know why God works this way. I, I love it when, when God's people come together. We get blessed and we have some great services, but what I found out is nine times out of ten, God seems to bless me more when I'm all by myself than he does when I'm with anybody else. That may be because he wants me to understand it's not about you, it's not about anybody else, it's about me. And I want to bless you and I want to pour blessing upon you. I want to give you something that you don't have. And I have to get you all by yourself before you'll listen to me. And sometimes I think that you and I, we've got to get to the place in our life where we can get all by ourselves, get away from the stress, get away from the busyness, 
Get away from the stuff that clouds our mind. Spend time with God. Because when we'll do that, God will show up. God will minister. God will strengthen. God will enrich and give you back what you thought was gone. Hallelujah. Some of you remember, as your heads are bowed and eyes closed, that I preached to you last Sunday night. Couldn't help but think about this again this week when Jesus was standing on the bank and Peter, Nathaniel, and others was, went fishing. Jesus stood on the bank and he cried out to him, Hey, children, have you caught anything? You got, any, you got anything in the boat? And they screamed back, No. And John looked and John, the beloved, saw, That's the Lord. Peter got so excited he jumped out of the boat and he swam to shore, but before he even got there, the Lord had everything prepared, had everything ready. What I like about that little scripture is sometimes we're afraid when we've messed up to feel like we can come back to God. And can I remind you that God has everything already prepared for you. All he's waiting for is just you. He's waiting for you to come. And that's where we hear Jesus asking Peter, Hey, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me in spite of your difficulties? Do you love me in spite of the trials that you go through? Do you love me, Peter, in spite of all of these things? If you didn't have anything else and you only had me, would you still love me? I really do hope that can be our prayer, that we as Peter could say, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. And it really take hold in our heart. I want them to get ready to sing something to you. And while they sing, I want you just to, I want you to come around these altars tonight. And I just, I just want us just to spend time with God. I, you don't have to cry out or, or be loud or anything like that unless that's what God lays upon your heart. But I just want you to spend time with Him. Forget about everybody else around you. If you have to, Get up in the balcony in the corner if you have to to get all by yourself. I don't care, but get, get by yourself and spend just a little quality time with the Master tonight. Spend time with Him. Would you come in the name of Jesus as they